Well, good morning, Victory Midtown. Good morning. It is so great to see each and every one of you. Um, and for some of you, I haven't even had the chance to meet you yet because you're new to Victory Midtown. And I just want to say on behalf of my husband, Mo, and I, welcome to Midtown. Uh, we have one prayer each and every day, and that one prayer is that you have an encounter with the living God. And so that's what we believe, and that's what we strive to do each and every Sunday. Well, for some of you, I want to take you back a year ago. In particular, I want to take you back to March 8th, 2020. And the reason why I want to take you back to March 8th, 2020 is because that is the last time I stood up here by myself to preach the Word of God. And what was really interesting about that particular day is that it was a few days before our world as we knew it shut completely down. And I remember on that particular Sunday, there was a passage of scripture that I read over us as we were leaning in and believe it or not, in a series still entitled Hearing God, but it was Knowing His Voice. And the scripture that I read is from 1 Kings 19 verses 11 through 13. And it reads as this, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord, he was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And that day, I reminded us that oftentimes when God speaks to us, when we are hearing his voice, it's not in the fire, it's not in the wind, it's not in the earthquake. It is in that small, still voice, a whisper. And what I encouraged us to do that day was to continue to be still and know that he was God, he is God, and that he is always speaking to us if we would just slow down. Now, the irony is that shortly after that day, we had no choice but to slow down because our world shut down. But one of the last things I said on Sunday, March 8th, 2020, was simply this, that God wants to be more than a consultant in our lives. God wants to be a confidant and the trusted guide of our lives. See, some of us, we consult with God like we consult with our financial planners, but God is saying, I want you to be the confidant. I want to be the confidant in your life, that person you go to for everything. Now, here's the thing. As the world, as we know it, prepares to reopen, you're sitting in a little bit of a reopening shift. And as we approach Resurrection Sunday next week or Easter, depending upon your background, here's my question. Over the last year in this forced slowdown, did you take the time 
to be still and know, not here, but here, that he is God. Now, for many of us, like I said, we had to slow down. And for those of us who did slow down, whether it was by choice or force, one of the things that we recognize is that in slowing down and putting ourselves in a position to listen to God, some of us thought we heard the voice of God, but what we thought we heard didn't come to pass. Am I in the right room today? Amen. And when we thought we heard the voice of God, but what we thought we heard didn't come to pass, I don't know about you, but I got a little frustrated. I became a little doubtful. I became anxious sometimes trying to make it happen on my own. And then there was a season where I just became lethargic. I was just lazy. Some of you guys remember the leadership calls we were having last spring during COVID. And I was telling you that sour cream and onion ruffles had got the better of me. Anybody remember that? Yeah, man, I had to start, stop going down the chip aisle. You know, we got lethargic, we got lazy, we got sedentary, where it was just like, well, heck, if I got to be home on quarantine, I'm just going to do everything I want to do. So you didn't Netflix and chill for one day, you Netflixed and chilled for 27 days straight. Some of y'all was like, I'm not brushing my teeth, I'm not combing my hair. You were doing Zoom calls in your pajama bottoms. It was almost like you were rolling out of bed, laptop right here, good morning. But here is the thing. That was a hard season for many of us, if we're honest. Because here's the thing, when we think we're hearing from God and it doesn't come to pass, we begin to question ourselves. And then over time, if the enemy is strategic enough, he'll get us to question God. Now here's the thing, if you've had any time at all at Victory, you understand one thing about Victory Church. Yes, we are one church in multiple locations and online, but the one thing if you spend any time at Victory, you'll know is that we are passionate about building disciples, not dependents. So we're gonna teach you the word of God without tricks, without gimmicks, without personality, because at the end of the day, even in this series as we close it out today, there's one thing we want you to know, and it's simply this. Not only does God speak, he speaks corporately, but God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. And over the last several weeks, we've been hearing some dynamic words about these experiences with God and how he speaks to us. Last week, if you were here, our founding pastor, Pastor Dennis Rouse, he shared a word with us about how God speaks to us through prayer. And what he said is this, in order to put God first, we must prioritize a time, a place, and a purpose with him. Now, the week before that, my baby daddy, he gave us a word. Yes, you did. And when my baby daddy said, to truly hear God, we must align our choices, priorities, and lives around his words. And when we started this series three weeks ago, 
our pastor, Pastor Johnson, he talked to us about how God speaks through the word of God. He speaks through scripture. And what he said is this, God's voice isn't something to retreat from, but it's something to run towards. And today, I'm going to come and I'm going to share from the subject, hearing God, God, is that you? God, is that you? Like, for real, for real, is that you? Because many of us, we're in seasons of our lives where we need to know that we know that we know that we know that it is God. What am I getting at? Some of you in the room, this isn't in my notes. You do not have the time. You cannot afford to shipwreck again. Some of you do not have the time. You do not have the bandwidth, the margin, the space to restart again. So you have to know that you know that you know that it's God. And today, I'm going to be talking about God, is that you, through dreams, visions, and prophetic words. Now, there are four key scriptures today that are going to guide us. And the first scripture is this. It's John 10, 27. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. It simply says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Our second key scripture for today comes literally from another somewhat familiar passage of scripture. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. It says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, they will prophesy. Now, for some of you, you're like, this sounds like a familiar passage of scripture. It is. It's a retweet from Joel 2.28, where we first hear this promise from an Old Testament context. Our third foundational scripture is from Zechariah 4.6. It says this, then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. You still with me? Our final scripture for today, our key scripture, is one of my life scriptures. I encountered this scripture when I was 16 years of age, and it has been a foundational scripture in my life. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Let me say that again, because someone in this room, you're trying to figure something out even right now. It says, don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, 
He's the one who will keep you on track. For someone in the room, listen to God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. Mo will tell you, Wednesday, we got an alert. There was a person who went into a local grocery store in our community. What they found is that he had six weapons and body armor on. It's the same grocery store that I put my backpack on and I walk to every single day. We have to listen to the voice of God. Now, why these four key foundational scriptures? These are the four that I want us to focus in on because there's a beauty of these and there's a promise in these. And the promise and the beauty is that God is telling us, I am transcendent. What that simply means is that he is timeless. He goes between the old and the new. Again, the Old Testament and the New Testament, he is saying the same thing. When I pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Again, he's transcendent because it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't how matter, matter how old you are. You will prophesy. He says men and women will prophesy, meaning there's no gender boundaries in what the promises of God will do. So the point is this. God, is that you? Yes, because God isn't bound by time or limited in space in terms of the who, what, when, why, and where he wants to speak to us. God can speak to you in the shower. He can speak to you in the car. He can speak to you at the gym. He can speak to you sitting in this room right now. God isn't limited to our thoughts. See, some of you, God spoke to you and told you to give your life to Christ on a Sunday. You didn't expect it. Because you were like, hey, I'm just going to check this thing out. Okay, my friend keeps bothering me. And uh, just to appease them, I'm going to just come to this church on Sunday. I see some people nodding. And if it wasn't a friend, maybe it was a spouse. If it wasn't a spouse, it was a family member. But you found that by the end of the experience, when we did the call for salvation, even through the mass, you were like, that's me, because God is speaking. And that's the thing I want you to know about God. It's not always loud. Sometimes it's so quiet, you don't even hear it, but you feel it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so again, today I'm gonna talk about how God speaks through dreams, through visions, and through prophecy. What is a dream? A dream is an ordinary occurrence in sleep but in this sense of hearing God, what happens is that while you are sleeping, God gives you a revelation about something in your sleep. And oftentimes, the power of dreams is that when you wake up, you remember the dream. But here's the thing sometimes about dreams. You need someone skilled and anointed in dream interpretation to help you unpack and really walk through that dream. But God speaks through dreams, and it's interesting. My sister, that is the number one way that God speaks to her. It's through, through dreams. God has given me maybe three dreams in my life. That's not how he speaks to me. And that's what I want you to understand. There's no comparison in how God speaks. Because how he speaks to you, Jojo, is going to be different than how he speaks to you, Sam. And we have to know that, Jen, how he speaks to you is going to be different than how he speaks to you, Carrie. But the beauty is because we're one body and we hear him collectively and corporately, we can come together to see and sense what he is saying. The second way that God speaks to us is through a vision. 
And what a vision is, is that it's a visual revelation from God while you are awake. It's kind of like you're, you're walking somewhere and you see something, you sense something, you just, you just know it. For some of you, sometimes it's like a deja vu. You show up somewhere and you're like, I've already been here. Or there's just this prompting about something, but the vision comes while you are awake. For many of you, the vision is that you've seen your future even though your current reality looks bleak. You've seen it. Now here's the thing, you've gotta be careful with visions because if you share your vision with just anybody, they can hijack what God is speaking to you, what God has shown you. Again, we know about Joseph in the many colors. He had a vision. God told him he was gonna be a ruler of many nations and his brother says, no, 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 no. Bam! So you have to use wisdom in what you share and what you speak, but God speaks through visions. Number three, God speaks through prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a spoken word that is meant to do three things. Prophecy number one is meant to encourage. Prophecy number two is meant to exhort. And then prophecy number three is meant to encourage or bring comfort. So here's the thing, when we talk about prophecy is meant to edify, all that simply means is to make one more able. See, two years ago when I went through pastoral development, Pastor Tad, who's over pastoral development, he gave me words of edification. Because even though I had a PhD, I still had to go through this new process that was foreign and unfamiliar. I had to humble myself and take off the PhD and really lean into this new training in order to be licensed as a pastor. And so I remember the final paper. It was a crazy time because I had other major things do on the job, but he edified me and he made me believe that I was more able. Whenever you receive a prophetic word, you should measure it up to that. A prophetic word should also bring you comfort, meaning counsel and or support. And then lastly, a prophetic word, when we say it's to exhort, it's to put courage into you. If you were at corporate prayer this morning, Pastor, pardon me, Justin Boyd, who's our children's director, I guess I'm prophesying, but Justin Boyd, who's our children's director, he gave a powerful exhortation about how much God loves us. Now, how do we back this up in the scripture? We back this up in 1 Corinthians 14.3 because it says this, when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring support. Now, remember what I said. God said, I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Men and women will prophesy. So recall, remember that because he's not time bound, that means you can receive a prophetic word from a man, a woman, a child. Don't be so limited to only believing you can receive a prophetic word from a person with a title. See, there are times in our lives where God wants to speak to us, so he'll allow someone to talk too loud at the grocery store. And that word of encouragement is for us, even though they were just talking too loud. Meaning, have you ever been minding your own business, just scrolling through social media, and it's that one post of encouragement that you needed to hear in the moment that's like, that was for me. 
So here's the thing. When we ask the question, God, is that you? The big responsibility that we have as believers is to know how to discern his voice. Now, if you're keeping count, I've given you about eight definitional words today because I'm a teacher. But discern simply means this. It means to distinguish between. It means to separate out. It means to examine in order to determine. And lastly, to discern means to decide. Very simply put, we have to slow down to figure out if that is God. Because a lot of times we can think it's God, but it's just our indigestion. Sometimes we could think it's God, but we just crushing on somebody. God never said that is your anything. But we start crushing, we get a little close, we crush some more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get a little close. Then you'd be like, that's my, you don't even know their credit score. That ain't nobody. <laughs> Slow down. But here's the thing. For many of us, we have to practically be taught how to discern the voice of God. Now, earlier I talked about a childhood game because one of the things I, game, because one of the things I love about our church is we're intergenerational. What that means is in the back in Victory Kids, we have children that are in the nursery that are six, seven, eight weeks old. Then in our congregation, we also have seasoned saints that are 60 and 70 years of age. And one of the things that's so important when you have an intergenerational church and a multicultural church is that you speak in a way that can cover everyone. So I mentioned a game that for some of you, you won't know what in the world I'm talking about. But for some of others of you, you will. And the game was called one, two, three, red light, green light. Some of y'all remember that game. And some of y'all, y'all were homeschooled. Now I'm teasing. <laughs> My bad. Forgive me. Forgive me. But in the game, there were some commands. And depending upon what light was called out, you knew to move, to slow down, or to freeze. Now, I have a feeling that in this sanctified room, some of y'all even cheated on one, two, three, red light. <laughs> so I want to give this practical example using something in the natural that we're familiar with. And I want to take a non-scientific poll before I do this. So here's my question. And by a show of hands, respond. How many of you, when you are approaching a yellow light, floor it? I'm gonna pray for this entire side of the room, my husband included. <laughs> and he does, and I close my eyes. Conversely, how many of you, when you are approaching a yellow light, you slow down? Thank you, amen. Amen corner right here. Be proud. I see you, Tay. I see you, Pastor Ted. Here's the thing, when we have a dream, vision, or prophetic word from God, we should never floor it. We should never go from zero to 100 real quick. 
When we have a dream, a vision, or even a prophetic word from God, the first thing we want to do is slow down. We want to proceed with caution. Because even when we receive that word, there can be more substance that God wants to layer on that word before we go through that yellow light, babe. <laughs> How do we do that? How do we proceed with caution? How do in asking God, is this you for real, for real? We do that by seeking him first. Meaning, have you ever gotten good news? And before you even thank God, you call somebody because it's good news? We do that even with dreams, visions, and prophetic words. And what I'm saying is this, if we're going to discern the voice of God through that yellow light, we have to go back to Isaiah 50, verse 4. It simply says this, he awakes me by the, he wakes me, awakes me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. What am I getting at? The absolute very best time to seek God is in the morning. And I don't mean 8 a.m. Because I don't know what time your morning is. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm in a season where I can go to bed at 10 p.m., but I wake up at 1 p.m., I mean 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 5 a.m. And so whenever it is that you find that your eyes open, seek God first. Pastor Dennis said it last week, not your phone, not social media, not your work email, but seek him first because in slowing down and proceeding with caution, he will speak to us. And for some of you right now, you're a little frustrated because you've been in a series of yellow lights. It's like, God, what's up? I, I, thought, I thought we were good. And what I want to tell you about the yellow light is simply this. Delay is not denial. Delay. It is not denial. And here's the other part of this. Because somebody right in this section is like, I hear you, Pastor Kendra, but you don't know. And what I want to say to you is this. Delay is not denial, and God never, ever, ever ends on a negative. I don't care what it is. I don't care the doctor's report. I don't care what the people have said. I don't care the persecution. He never, ever ends on a negative. And that's the thing. It takes me to my next thought. See, for some of us, we haven't been in a series of yellow lights. For some of us, we've been cruising, kind of like yesterday. Yesterday was a beautiful day. You might have went out, let the, you know, windows down, had your music going, the sunroof open, just chilling. And you got into that groove, like between 16th Street and 10th Street, you had nothing but ease of traffic. And sometimes our lives are like that, where it's one thing after another thing after another thing, and it's all good. You're celebrating, you're feeling great, but then all of a sudden, what you know is this. God literally goes from the yellow light, and then he puts us on the red light. Literally, anybody, have you ever had an abrupt stop? An abrupt no, where you thought you heard from God, but all of a sudden he was like, stop! Yeah. 
And if you're like me, because I don't like to run through those yellow lights, it's like, ah! And he says, stop. What do you do when God says stop, even when you don't want him to? What do you do when God is saying no? Not slow down, but no. Here's the thing. Number one, we have to stop. Because if we don't stop, we'll shipwreck. And if I were to pass this mic to everyone in the room, every single one of us can give a testimony of how we decided to ignore the red light of God. And what happens when we don't stop at a four-way intersection? Say it louder. There's going to be a crash. So here's the thing. When we get a red light, when God says stop, what we have to ask ourselves as we're saying and listening and asking God, is this you? We have to ask, number one, does this line up with the word of God and the character of God? And if it doesn't, stay stopped. And for some of you, can I be honest with you? You stop, but you're still tempted. Some of you are going to have to put your proverbial car in park. Because the stop, with your foot still almost on the gas a little bit, you're going to have an accident. For some of you, it's okay. I'm giving you permission today to put the car in park. Number two, when we're at a red light, we have to ask God this. Is this affirmed by godly counsel? See, here's the thing. Number one, when we ask, is this, does this line up with the word of God and the character of God? You have to know this. Psalms 19, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What am I getting at? God never speaks something contrary to what he has said in his word. The word confirms the word. The dream, the vision, the prophetic word, the word, the word of God will confirm that word. Why? God isn't schizophrenic. He's not going to tell you something through a dream, a vision, or a person, and you can't find it anywhere in the word of God. That's not who he is. That's what the world does. That's not what God does or say. Number two, we have to ask when we're at a red light this. Is this affirmed by godly counsel? Why am I saying that a second time? I'm saying that a second time because sometimes, especially for new believers, sometimes for those of who've been in the church but we've stepped away, we make ourselves a godly counsel. And we end up getting in stuff that we can't get out of because we don't have anyone else to walk us in maturity through the word. One of the greatest joys that Pastor Mo and I get being pastors is not standing up here and preaching. Even this morning, uh, one, of, one of our team members asked me if I was ready. I was like, nope. And if someone ever tells you they're ready or they're about to kill it, be afraid. Pray for them because that's the spirit of pride. <laughs> but one of the things that we enjoy the most is not on the platform. It's actually engaging in premarital counseling where we get to get into the lives of people and even over COVID, we had the opportunity to walk with three different couples. And even though, <laughs> and even though there's, there's symbis analysis and all these things that talk about spiritual compatibility, we take time to really go beyond the data to get to the issues of the heart. 
And what we have found in our premarital counseling, no matter how strongly matched the couple is, is when you start going underneath the crust and you unearth some of those real issues, they become lifesavers. Because here's the thing, six months to a year after you say yes to the engagement, what you have to know is you were insane. You are out of your absolute mind because you're like, I love him, I love him, I love him. I love her, I love her, I love her. Oh, they're the best thing since toast. <laughs> then that first year of marriage, all my married people make some noise. <laughs> that first year of marriage, yo. <laughs> I got a real witness right here. <laughs> the first year of marriage, even with the counseling, can be an adjustment because you've got two people that no matter how much you love each other, have distinct personalities and wiring by God. See, our first year of marriage, we would get into robust discussions <laughs> about two things. Number one, he had a job where he always had to be on the go or on his phone. Like, all the time, y'all. It got to a point one night where we were on a date, and he's like, yeah, babe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it's bad enough he does that during football season. I give him a pass during football season. Ladies, just give your man a pass during football season. They're not paying attention to nothing you're saying. But it's supposed to be date night. And I finally told him, I said, listen, we don't, we don't have to go out anymore. If you can't tell your boss that family time is more important than whatever they're texting at seven o'clock on a Friday, I don't want it. And I'll never forget after that, he made some changes and adjustments. But let me tell you about me. The biggest adjustment I had to make our first year of marriage was to stop shutting down when my feelings got hurt. See, when my feelings got hurt and I didn't like something that he said or I didn't like an adjustment to my calendar because I was very anal retentive, I just shut down. And I went and talked to him. And if you know anything about my husband, he is a talker. And if you know anything about me with a PhD, I have a whole lot of words to give. But intentionally, I want to be honest in this room because we're not perfect. Intentionally, I would withhold my words. And he'd send me text, and you know what I respond back? K. I would not, in pride, even give him the O to the K. <laughs> and that first year of marriage, man, as much as we loved each other and we know God had called us to each other, it got a little tough. And what I'm saying to you is the same thing, because there were a few times that first year we were like, God? Did, did I hear you? But here's the thing. We had flesh-made red lights. So if we can have flesh-made red lights, how much more we need to proceed with caution and stop and put the car in par park when it is a God-ordained red light? Now here's the thing. We all have a responsibility to manage our expectations. And we have to have that responsibility put on us because if you've been in the church for any period of time, you have had at least one weird encounter with the people of God, the man of God. 
the saints of God. And the reality of the situation is that God isn't weird. God is not weird. When he speaks to you through a dream, through a vision, through a prophetic word, it makes sense to you because he's going to give it to you in a way that he's wired it for you. See, I remember one time there was a season in our lives where we received, Mo and I, so many prophetic words, it got overwhelming. It got to a point that people at our old church started to get mad at us because they're like, are you paying these prophets to speak something over the Moman family? And I remember it had gotten so bad that our pastor at the time, he told us, you don't have to receive another prophetic word from anyone. Now, I told you I'm a literalist, so I took that at his word. And this was a time where my brother had died suddenly. My brother was 34 years of age, and he passed away suddenly, and it shook our family. And again, I kept having feelings that something was going to happen, red light, so I started to slow down even in my interactions and where I would go, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And my brother died suddenly, and it shook our family. So we went home. We buried my brother I stayed there with my family because he had two small children. And I came back to Atlanta, and it was a Sunday, and we were at our church, and there was a prophet who had come in. And that prophet had literally come in one night, and it was like a revival just started getting extended. So I had seen this man of God, and I knew that his prophetic words were accurate, but guess what? I ain't want none of that smoke. <laughs> and so that Sunday morning at the 11 a.m. service, he literally was prophesying to people all over the cathedral. Then he has to turn to me. He says, my sister, stand up. He clearly isn't talking to me because I'm still in grief about my brother. And my pastor said that I don't have to receive a prophetic word from anyone. So then he comes closer to me. Literally, if you're me, he's like, my sister, I said, stand up. <laughs> okay. So I stand up in rebellion because I'm introverted, so I don't like people making me do anything I don't want to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm in the right room. I'm in a safe room. Amen. So then he says, come to me. So I have to not only stand up, I have to come from where I was and come to the center of the stage. So while I walk past my pastor, I'm giving them a side eye. You said, this is all on YouTube. I'm not making this up. You could literally go watch this video on YouTube. Long story short, he calls Mo and I to the platform. He begins to prophesy over us. He comforts us, and he tells me about my brother and what happened in a way that I know that I know that I know it was only God. He began to speak some other things in our lives and even prophesy about where Mo and I are currently at today. Here's the thing. God is not a man that he would lie. And there are times where God wants to disrupt us out of our comfort zone. And so that's why we have to say no. Let me tell you why I was closed to him at first. I was closed because over a series of six years, we had received so many prophetic words about our children that those prophetic words, because they weren't manifesting, were making me bitter. Can I be honest in this room? But here I am now carrying our promised seed, and you cannot make this up. Today, someone brought us a prophetic word from 2014. 
April 17th to be exact. What is this word? It's prophesying over our son and the fact that he would father, he would father, he would father. If God is not a man that he would lie, he wouldn't lie, I don't know what to tell you. So here's the last thing. There are going to be times in our lives where absolutely, unequivocally, God is giving us a green light. But when he gives us a green light, there are three things that we have to ask ourselves. Number one, is what God's saying or what someone is saying or is that dream, that vision, that prophetic word, does it line up with the word and the voice of God? That's the question we have to ask ourselves, number one. Number two, when we have that green light, we have to ask, is it affirmed by godly counsel? I've told you these things, but now I'm just giving it to you in list order. And then the last thing we have to do, especially when we have that red light and we're trying to discern if it's God, and even more so when we get that green light where God is saying go, we have to ask ourselves, is it accompanied by God's peace? If after you ask those three questions, does it line up with the word of God? Is it affirmed by godly counsel? Is it accompanied by God's peace? Then go, go, go. Because in the green, God is affirming everything about what he already said as it is in heaven, so it is in the earth. Now, here's the thing. You guys are like, yeah, okay, nice little word today. Glad you're talking about your testimony, but you don't know about me. What did I tell you? April 27th, 2014. What's the date today, somebody? March 28th, 2021. I know what it's like to hold on to a word for seven plus years. To have to go through the yellow light, the red light, and now even in the green light, proceeding with caution because I can't work out like I used to work out. I can't eat what I want to eat. I can't even sometimes sit up the way I want to sit up. Can we be honest in here? And now I'm at a point where I can't even tie my own shoes. But the reality is that God cares for us so much. He loves us so much that delay is not denial. And even if it's a negative today, God never ends on that negative. So I want you to lean into the word. I want you to receive the word. I want you to read the word. But most importantly, I want you to believe the word of God that God speaks to us. So as we close out today, there's a song, many of you've heard it. It's blown up over the last two days. And it literally just, when I heard it yesterday morning, it grabbed me. And I've listened to that song on, non, on nonstop repeat for the last 24 plus hours. I wanna read you some lyrics from it, and then I've asked the production team to play it in the house 
Because my prayer today, even in corporate prayer, was that God would give each and every one of us a word. I got my word today. But it does me no good if I've got my word and I'm not praying for my brothers and my sisters to get the word. So the song is called Jira. And the lyrics say this, if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? More than you ask, think, or imagine according to his power working in us. His love is more than enough. Listen to this. You're already loved. You're already chosen. You know who you are. He's already spoken. You are already loved. More than you could ever imagine. And that is enough. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. There's a, there's a guy, you're sitting in here, you're in the center, you're on the third to the last row. God says you are already chosen, you are already loved, you are already enough. Believe in my brother. Backpack kid, you are already loved, you are already chosen, you are enough as you are. Believe it, my brother. That is enough. That is enough. That is enough. That is enough. Father, what you speak over us, it is enough. It is enough, Father. We're loved. We're chosen. We are enough. And Father, as we close out today, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. Father, it's not in the wind, it's not in the earthquake, it is not in the fire, but Father, my prayer today is that we hear you and we hear the word that you have for us in your small, gentle voice. Father, we are your servants. We know your voice. Another we will not follow. So, Father, wherever we find ourselves in this room or online, Father, I declare and decree today that we will hear from you in an unusual way. Lord, remind us to slow down and to take heed to the yellow light, to the red light, and even in the green light, Father, my prayer today is that we hear unequivocally from you, we discern your voice, and we go forward 
and the emancipation of greatness for your glory. Father, the song says, for your glory, we will do anything. And Lord, my prayer today is that regardless of the circumstances, when you speak, we will hear, we will obey, and our perpetual prayer will be a prayer and a posture of yes. Father, all the doors are open. All the doors are open. I prophetically declare and decree that all the doors in your life are open. Walk through them. Give God the glory. Walk in that wise counsel. And for those of you who've lost trust in God and your faith is wavering, he says, come unto me all who labor and are heavy burdened because I want to give you rest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Victory Midtown.